Mike, turn your games down. Hi, welcome to another comic episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helperton. Who is in the Dimension X with me tonight? One of uh, Stock Gen's rejects, Red Fox. <laughs> uh, welcome back. And as always, we're talking about turtles with you on the show. I'd rather have it no other way. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I don't do turtles really without you. I think I maybe done one a very, very long time ago when the show started. Maybe you were on the early one, so I can't remember. I remember being on all of them, but who knows at this point? I mean, we all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I record too much shit. So <laughs> for those that follow along with us, what we do, we, we've been slowly over the course of a couple years now, have been covering the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the IDW run. And I kind of skipped a little bit, but if you if you have it, if you want to catch up before we do this one, the other two comic episodes to listen to are the comic 19, which covers the first part of this arc. And then you would also want to listen to comic 28, which is the second the second bigger arc. I kind of I mean, there's more in volume than that, but I kind of split up. But we are here now to talk about some of the issues leading up to Krang War and that part. So there will be spoilers, but it's a comic doesn't matter in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about 12 years old now. Is that older? No, is it? I can't. Well, not this. I want to say IDW started doing 2013. 2013. I thought it was 11. Well, you're, it maybe 11? you're right. Probably. Yeah. Maybe it's 2013. It's been hard to find. It's it's hard to find information about it online. Like I was looking for the year when this this particular comic came out, but I really can't find much information. Yeah, it looks I, mean, like I can find where the run starts. 2011. Okay, so this where this would have been 2012, 2013. Because we're talking about issues like, what, 16 through 20. So, yeah, right, right around that. Yeah. They would have been still. a little bit in there. Yeah, it's fucking over 10 years old. That's, yeah. <laughs> yep. You've been talking about rereading this. We started this a while ago. And I've been kind of dragging my feet. You know, I just haven't wanted to do co- cover Turtles. And then we did Turtles Forever not too long ago. That people will be will hear by this point. And all of a sudden, you kick the Turtles thing back into me. Like, so <laughs> for this recording, we, we had to read about eight-ish, well, eight issues or so. So I read all eight. And then I decided to read all six, like another 16, 20, no, another like 20 issues. I read everything we read before and just reread everything up to that point. And then reread the same stuff over again. That's because dedication. I just, let's, let's keep that momentum going. <laughs> yeah, this book is, yeah, you weren't. So one thing got me interested, I, I know I probably said this over a year ago, is I like Crane. And I was really interested to see where it was going to go with this. And when I saw the title Crane War in the volume, I was excited. But before we get there, we're going to start with the April micro series issue, which is what kind of brings up this arc that we're going to be talking about. This I had absolutely no interest in until I started reading it. <laughs> I don't care about April normally, you know. Sure, I mean, yeah, I mean, not enough to have some focus on her. You know? No, but this this did it. Like I thought, like this issue starts off with her having a dream where she's a turtle being chased by ninjas. And it's essentially PTSD. You know, she's suffering kind of. That's all I took. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it kind of reflects the toll that it is taking on her uh, dealing with something that no other human really has had the opportunity or dis, dis, uh, misfortune to deal with prior. So. <laughs> well, and she's dealing with the turtles and everything like that. And she's like, my life is weird. <laughs> you know. I, I mean, realistically, yeah, it is extremely weird. I really like that. I, I, I really like seeing her because I actually had thought that she'd quit working for Stockgen because I had also realized that I took different turtle stuff and put them in my head and jumbled them together. Like in my head, she had worked for Stockgen and then Baxter tried to kill her with the Mousers, which is not this comic. Ooh. I think it's the 2003 yes. cartoon. That's actually Mirage, I thought. Okay, is that Mirage? Yeah, I, so I, I took stuff and had it jumbled in my head 
before I started reading all this again, and I'm like, okay, I was off because too much hurdles. Yeah, you're you're starting to jumble. <laughs> but yes. <it> happens. <laughs> That, that's one reason I, I went back and read anything because this kind of like this you in this issue you see her working at Stockton you see her realizing that you know she can't trust her employer and there's some good little things that they do like they have her going she's like well I can't you know I'm not a ninja but I can steal somebody's you know ID card and sneak in <laughs> where she's, I shouldn't she's be trying to make herself useful I mean instead yeah. of the typical I mean as as far as the past goes uh, in some of the iterations she ends up being just the usual damsel in distress. Um, I'll give you information as needed, but I always need help. I mean, Turtles Forever showed you they save her, <laughs> what, on a daily basis? <laughs> so <laughs> so now to where she's kind of badass, not only is she smart, they went back to her roots, not to mention she's she's back in the, the field of science. There's nothing to do with reporting or anything like that. And she's actually using her intelligence to the Turtles' advantage and her humanity to their advantage. I think that's what's really cool in this, because, like, you know, she causes a problem but she also was trying to help them like she's trying to get back the turtle tracker that they have that was in one of the micro another micro series issue and that's what she's up to she's trying to sneak in to get something and i like how she causes all these problems because chet is hiding it which you had mentioned we first talked about yeah you're like chet's gonna be way more important and then i unfortunately looked it up when i shouldn't have (laughs) oh man you blew it but i looked it up years ago like when we first did this i didn't mean to i think i just typed in something with chet and i was like oh damn it but yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge, huge for anybody. I mean, we're going to spoil it anyway for you later on, but that is a huge spoiler early on when it comes to mm-hmm. these. these yeah, especially when you're just, you know, randomly reading stuff. Oh, I also had speak because it made me think of some of the old toys. I had an old Fugitoid toy, but I had no idea who it was or why. But I had it as a kid from the old well, back in those cartoon. days. It was yeah, it was, it was much different in those days. I, I remember oh, yeah. I actually read the Mirage version of. Also, I mean, it's not like this. It is here. That's for sure. No, this is way better. I do not like the old Mirage stuff personally. It's rough. Just, it doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Yeah. It's hard to get through. But I just I also like how like you see her grab a coffee and she pretty much just chucks a coffee and just ruins all the electric, electrical work. Distract them like she's stealing something that she's not supposed to have. Yeah, I, don't know, I, I found that really amusing. Like but she. Oh, yeah. Last second makeshift plan, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to see her doing that and being involved in things like this, you know, and, I mean, causing trouble. And you also see that by her doing that, one of the containers that had something in there, one of the experiments, it ends up acting up, and then that experiment is able to escape, yes. which plays a part. And I, I really like that. I also like how you have, a, you have a funny line where she dresses up all in black, and she's like, just a jogger, pay no attention, nobody special. And then she, you know, <laughs> slips into the lab coat on and acts like she works, you know, and just changes her hair and everything puts on glasses. And she also, for the first time, for the first time gets to witness the, the rock aliens, granite or track or whatever. Are those, seeing. were those humans? No. If you later on, the last issue that we're going to cover, they show what they are, but they're not human. They're alien. just not human. Okay. Cause I wasn't sure if it was like humans that then were injected with something to give them bony skin. I believe they go through some type of experiment to get the rock skin. I just, it's been so long, I can't fully remember. Okay. But uh, I, I think they it go wasn't, through some process. I don't think it's in any of these issues. None of these, no. They don't cover it in these, but uh, okay. later on, I think they, they cover that. But I like how the rock man notices something's up with her, and she just walks away <laughs> while he's yelling at her. Yep. I mean, hey, like, you got to think, like, right, if this giant rock guy is following yeah. 
screaming at you like what are you especially when you're a woman like what are you gonna want to do like <laughs> get the mm-hmm. hell out of it yeah so she Man just or woman, you know? and again act like you belong somewhere that's the best way to sneak around places act like you belong yeah people are less likely to pay you any attention which is very true one thing i did want to bring up is the start of this issue i don't i don't recall it's been a while since i read the ones before this but she ends up getting you. the whole like a few pages oh yeah you can tell me i'm sure she goes kind of the um diary route in a way like, they don't really indicate that she's writing a diary but either either way you hear her thoughts kind of like in the 90s it's, movie it's the theme of the micro series all the micro series oh, are very much of point of view yeah i suppose yeah so, so it, that just sticks it. with with it like each one if you, like all the ones before this and i'm assuming the villain micro series which starts after the next one that we're going to talk about they all kind of do the same thing where I, it just is a, you know, it's from that person's point of view. Right. Right. And then should be being that it focuses directly on that one character. So it works well for that. And I really got a kick out of like when she's cha- when she's running into one of the rooms, she pulls out a pipe, sprays the rock man in the face. And you can see like a Godzilla like image shadow behind her, which I did not know who that was at first. <laughs> <laughs> and during that time, you also have her, she she puts smoke in his face and then he grabs the coat and she slips out of the out of the lab coat and runs off. I really like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and then you see the rock man get punched in the face. When yeah, I first yeah, saw yeah. that shadow, I really thought that was Tonka. That's oh, yeah. what I thought they were going with this. I mean, when you look at it from that shadow, it does seem reminiscent of that. You know, the, the spiky shell or whatever. But you know, you know what kind of gets me is the design of him in this one is much different than the issues following. Yeah, it is because. I think you you see her escape, and then do you see one page? I think, if I remember correctly, you see him once. Yeah, you see one page of him where he looks completely different than what he will look like. Yes, yep. I don't understand why they did that. The only theory in my head is that he's still mutating or whatever, but I don't, I don't, maybe they just end up wanting a more snapping turtle design or a scarier design, because I don't like design in this one. I I I don't either. I think it's just different artists. I guess so. They, they, I'm glad they went with a much better design later on. They did show him uh, with a moment with that that plastic palm tree too, kind of a <laughs> callback to the Mirage days or even the '87 cartoon. Just always, no matter what iteration they show of this character, they always show him connected to that palm tree one way or another. Even more so on a minor scale in this one, but they still show it, and that, that was a nice touch. I think. I can't remember in the 87 cartoon that there was a bomb tree. Uh, I could swear there was, but I'll never watch it again to really be able to. No, you, you don't <laughs> want to. No, I don't. It's not. Yeah, it's not good. So I don't recommend it at all. All right. And that brings us to issue 15, which continues it. And it kind of has and that starts with like a flashback that kind of shows you. It says like 14 months ago and you see a little snapping turtle and them injecting the, the serum into the turtle, which is made from Hobbs blood. Because they, right. they only have his blood. So being that it diluted, it has a different effect than it might have had if it was pure. Yes. And I like how it shows, you know, Hobb is still working with them and it shows that they drugged him. Then it goes 13 months ago and it shows the turtle getting bigger and it shows it eating a rat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like that. I thought that was cool. And then it, it keeps kind of cutting forward and you see the turtle beating the shit out of people uh, that cause they're trying to do thing they're trying to make it you know work but it's not cooperating and then it shows two weeks ago when it actually escaped and this what from april's thing yeah 
which I thought was kind cool. of showing his his aggression and his instability. Um, oh, I, I, I'm guessing that because of the type of blood he's got. Yeah. And there's a, a little moment that I didn't think much, but it's actually kind of touching where you see Michelangelo is going to this pizzeria, which is mentioned throughout earlier issues of this, where he talks about mm-hmm. this guy he goes to, this guy will give him free pizzas. And you kind of you see a lot of that here. And then you see him get attacked by the turtle. And I like how much that affects him, that person, and how much I can't remember his name, though. I know it's in here, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I kind of forgot. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm trying to look and see what. Oh, Woody, that's his name. Oh, yeah. That's why I forgot. <laughs> so, and then you kind of have like where the police are looking for a turtle, and I think it's all a bunch of jokes. You have the turtle stopping a mugger uh, shortly after this, and then you know the muggers being like, "Oh God, it's a turtle." Yeah, because <laughs> they don't know they don't know the difference. Even though they just got saved, they think that maybe well, this is the same thing that's attacking everyone. They just attacked them. Now it's my turn. Yeah. Which I think makes perfect sense because that's how it would work yep. in reality, too. I mean, hell, look at how many things we've had to happen that, that that happens with that. Right. <laughs> Where people blame they, someone. They, they also introduce, maybe they showed it in the previous issues, I don't know, but Splinter getting used to this this life that he now lives with his soap operas and his goofy <laughs> aprons, dad aprons and stuff like that. I like that. And, and, man, you got to think, this is some rather ruthless assassin used to be an assassin and now this is kind of what he does and what he enjoys <laughs> i mean he's still there the ruthless assassin is still there i'm pretty sure <laughs> so I, it is i mean because he obviously he's the one to train the turtles and he can he can still do his thing when it comes down to it but uh hey his free, st- free time is exactly that his free time if he wants to spend it that way it's up to him <laughs> but they, and, and they turn off his soap opera or or whatever the uh Casey ends up doing, and that's when they first hear about Slash and that there's something else out there. <laughs> He's wearing that apron that says, I woke, therefore I am. Yep. <laughs> I really liked that. I don't know why. It was just funny to me. And then you, yeah, you're right. Then you have that. You have where the April's van gets damaged, which leads to, and also at the same time, the Trills are trying to find a new hideout because they've been staying at April's, and they can't stay there anymore, which I, I like that too. And this is where you have a good scene where you have this turtle that you still don't know what his name is yet, uh, looking, he ends up ripping off uh, the guy's shirt when the muggers ties it around his his head because he sees the other turtles wearing bandanas as they jump over a rope because he's watch he's hunting them and he can smell them. Yeah, it's damn damn cool. And they they go to a church which has like bunker inside and there's some funny. I like the way the turtles talk. I really do. They <laughs> just like their humor pr- pretty well. And Michelangelo's always the standout to me in most of the stuff. And I, I think they wrote him pretty well. I, do. I don't necessarily enjoy that he's overly sensitive, but it makes sense also. Like that, whether you enjoy something or not doesn't mean that it's written wrong. That's yeah. just a character trait of them, and, and they just did a good job with it. And I think it it works well in here. Like you know, the way that they banter back and forth, and that they all have such different attitudes. Yeah, and, and this I, is... I think Donnie really shines up in some of the upcoming issues for sure, but. And, and I think they even touched on it in the past ones that you happen to reread. But that whole thing about him denying mysticism and, and oh, spiritual, yeah. spirituality and things like that. I, I thought that was such a, a character trait that he would have, being that he's so logical and intelligent. And that, that struggle he ends up having with that throughout the series, that was, that was a lot of good character development for him. And you see it constantly. Like, you see him really struggle about the past life thing, which I get it. I'd be in the same way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just it's a hard thing to grasp because he's so he's in technology, he's into science, and that goes against all of that. Makes makes perfect sense. And then you have this turtle fighting the tur- fighting, you know, the other turtles, and he pretty much he beats the shit out of them <laughs> so, for the most part. Takes him down. Yeah, he's he's huge. He's he's a lot stronger. You know, he's more durable. So he, he's a last, like they say, like he's that's what he's meant for. The last panel is him holding up Leo, standing on top of Raphael and Donatello, and he says, "Kill." Yep. <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. I do like right before that a, a few pages is how they made it in kind of like a horror movie style. Oh yeah. You know, he's on the stairs and they shine the lights on him and rises the hell out of him. And this is the first time they're seeing fake. Well, not that's not the first time they're seeing another mutant, but the first time they're seeing a mutant, another mutant turtle. So that's got to be a shocker on top of it. Well, I would say 100 percent that, you know, you're not used to that and you're surprised. It completely throws you off. And issue 16 gets us more into their fight where it starts off with, you know, the way the other issue ended. But you have Mikey shining a flashlight on this turtle, which I really like. <laughs> And you're right, it brings more of those horror elements in, too, with it. Not as, you know, not the same, but it still has that element of horror. Yeah, but I, I think it should be a rather frightening encounter with this giant turtle. Killer it is turtle, a giant I turtle. say. I mean, but it's just, it's really cool to see the fight. Like you, And again, each turtle attacks them one by one, gets their ass handed to them. You know, and they're not, they're having a hard time. It, it's... It's really good to see. And it also kind of jumps back and forth a little bit where you see a little bit more stuff with Baxter Stockman where he's in Bernal Island working on the Technodrome. You get a few little scenes of that where you have the aftermath of, of Slash escaping from Stockman and how they're dealing with that. Yeah. One thing I did notice is that Baxter talks to Chet the way that Krang talks to Baxter. They each talk down on each other. Oh, I didn't. OK, I didn't see. I didn't catch that. So, in many ways, Baxter gets his taste of his own medicine straight from Krang. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows how to treat their employees in this country. <laughs> or in real life, huh? <laughs> eh, not wrong. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, that's, that's a good point. Because, I mean, he's, you know, it's the whole thing, well, I'm above you, so I can talk down to you. And it's like, I need you. I mean, mm-hmm. Krang needs Stockman. Stockman needs, needs Chet. Yep. So, but, okay, that's cool. That's a cool, in- cool, cool insight. And this is where he needs Chad more than he knows also. (laughs) Uh But like you see the turtles fighting when you see him fighting this other turtle. And at one point, Leo tries to talk to him because it's something that Splinter says. So he's trying to talk to the turtle and tell and convince him like, hey, we're not your enemy. The same thing happened to us. We're also experiments. Yeah, he's trying to de-escalate it because he knows that they're and they they bring it up that this is possibly going to go one route only if they don't try saying something or doing something else. Somebody's gonna die. Uh-huh. <laughs> it gets close. And realistically, yeah, I, that or run, and it doesn't seem like they can really run, you know, in the dark and tight quarters for the most part. Like, so they, they gotta they gotta figure something out. Yeah, because they're in a, a bomb shelter underneath this church that then connects to the train tracks, which I'm assuming is gonna play a big part as this as this story progresses. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I that's what I'm thinking. And then you also have April. And Casey going to go help them out because they didn't show up. Raphael is supposed to come because Casey finally got off probation, which they talk about in all the other issues. So he can finally play hockey and he misses the game because they're in a fight. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. well, more a pretty girl asking to go with him. So he goes. That's the, that's the moral why he misses the game. <laughs> Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But like when you have a Leo talking to this turtle, he ends up, they get into a Russell, uh, a Russell, or he attacks him. Because he gets distracted <laughs> because of April, and he stabs him in between like the shell and, and one of the weak spots of one of his katana. And I, 
that that image of the of him just that turtle standing there with a sword in him is just really cool. And just pure confusion and, and uh-huh. I'm sure astounding shock and pain. Well, I mean, I'm sure a katana shoved in your shoulder blade doesn't feel good. Uh, yeah. Besides <laughs> the fact you trying to process what the hell's going on. Um, I mean, even Leo's like feeling the dread and like you could just you feel the, the dread in his stomach right now as he just realized what he did. I mean, these are that's... mirage turtles that want to kill everything. You know, these, <laughs> these are teenagers that uh, might have just ended this thing's life. Yeah. I mean, and then you have the turtle takes off the mask and throws down the katana with the mask and then drops mm-hmm. into the water and disappears. It's it's very cool. And then you really get to see the aftermath of this, too, where you yeah, have that's the most interesting part there. The yeah. aftermath of it all like how it affects each individual. And also, like when they're cleaning up the, the bunker. They all have bandages all over them because they're all beat oh, up. Yeah. They got their I ass like beat. That. I really like that little touch. And it's good to see. It's cool to see, like you said, like how they're all taking it. Like you have Michelangelo who lost his friend because he goes to the pizza place and the guy won't come out anymore because of what happened to him. Mm-hmm. You can still give him food, but he won't see him. And you can just see Mikey just crying. Also, how Mikey confuses people wearing a hoodie and jeans. But hey, whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he it shows like his his pure sadness that. He lost a friend because he likes to connect. He likes to bring people together. Yeah. And and this is out of his control. This is not something that he personally caused the circumstances of life. And this is a hard lesson that he gets to learn as well. Because you got to remember, he's also the youngest of the four brothers, right? So he now has to learn these lessons, that lessons that he should have learned a very long time ago. And, and it's just destroying him. Like there's one line from Splinter here after everything happens. And he says, in a world as jaded and cynical as this one, Michelangelo's unbridled optimism is to be celebrated, not discouraged. And as for Leonardo, do not mistake his discipline for callous detachment. Whatever has become of that creature you battle, I am certain Leonardo too wishes things had ended differently. Like, it's just really cool. And it keeps going. You must all understand, though, your brother's blood like yours runs cold. He is no more cold, cold-hearted than any of you, but he is ninja. Right, and I, and I love this. I think this, and I think they might, it might carry on to the next issue a little bit when Splinter tries to clean some things up. But he he's showing that leadership role, that fatherly role, and, and some of the best writing that they have up to this point. That is good. That's good dialogue. That's just good writing to me. It really is. And the way the turtles grow as the series progresses is just so good too. Right, and you have yet to see how far that goes. <laughs> no, I can't wait. I mean, ever since we started this, you've been talking about issue fifty, and we're going to make that happen. So. Yes, please. I can't wait till you see what goes on. <laughs> we'll experience it. We'll, you, we'll experience it together. Read read together for you and then first time for me. But yes. Hey, I, I'm I'm waiting to read to experience <laughs> that again. Because so. it's like a hundred and some issues is the first volume before it changes, which I think you said you didn't like as much. Yeah, I'd say late 90s, early 100s where you can there's a very big uh, tone shift. But you'll see. Down the line. OK, they also have a new name for it, too. It What's completely that? goes by a different name now. Like Reborn or something? Uh, the comics? Yeah. They have Armageddon game. I know that. I mean, I'm only, I'm currently on 128. That's the issue I'm on, and it's still the same. Okay. I, well, I mean, same that. thing, but the trades are titled differently. Oh, I see. The trades aren't titled like, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4. They're like Reborn 1, Reborn 2. Oh, I see. Okay. So they kind of consider like a new volume, even though it just kept continuing. Right. And the numbers kept going, but it's considered a different volume or something. I was I was looking up a little bit about it without being very, very careful not to read anything I shouldn't yeah, read. Yeah. So I've been staying away. I actually have not been up. spoiled much <laughs> with this with this series. Good. Uh, except Chad, I'm, I, it still sucks, but hey. 
<laughs> that was my own fault. Oh, so then this issue ends. You have Leo sitting there, sad in the sewer with his sword and the bandana there. Then it has the epilogue where the turtle wakes up in the from the sewer and Hob is waiting for him. Not very politely either. <laughs> <laughs> no, he kicks him. Doesn't he? Yeah, he kicks him in the face. Kicks him in the head. Yeah, and he just tells him like, and he and he has blood, which he has Splinter's blood. You see, he took mm-hmm. it with him. Mm-hmm. And I kept remembering what you said. Hob always wanted an army, and I reread all the old issues and. All he talks about is, I want an army. So there well, you go. There's, there's a hint to where that's going. And they also never called this turtle by his name. I think now we can say it, but well, it, it they didn't did. take... They, well, they, do. they did. It, yep, if you go back to the news... Oh, they call him Slash. Yeah, that's when they actually introduce it. So the last issue. Okay, that's cool. Okay, I, I like the fact that, you know, because that's when I think it clicked to me, too. Like, oh, fuck, this is Slash! Yep. I really like Slash from, well, mainly Turtle in Time. It's it's one of my favorite characters ever. I, I just I don't like that they haven't given him the justice he deserves as far as how cool of a character he is, because I, I think I've said this in past episodes. Uh, they went the right route of making him a hunter. I thought that was amazing. I just don't think they have ever made him very logical threat, like almost like think of the Predator movies. Right. That's how I envision Slash and like would like to see him portrayed. That makes sense. So. Or, you know, like a Deathstroke or something. Somebody that's like just a skilled badass that can take these turtles down, almost like Shredder did in the 90s movie. Just, <laughs> I, I would love to see a movie based around him, but I don't think enough people really truly know who he is to pull that off effectively enough, maybe. Okay, so you're telling me he doesn't really get more than as the series progresses? I'm not going to spoil anything for you. Okay. Things do, things change for him. Okay. Um, not in the direction that we spoke of, but ways you wouldn't even imagine happening so and it's not bad so you'll see okay i'm i am definitely on board actually i i want to say even after is it after or issue 50 that I, I he plays a very big role uh and some things going on but you'll see okay and i can't wait <laughs> to be completely honest and then the, the next issue in this arc that it brings us to is the fugitoid which is now in the micro series and Which this is, is where the tone begins to shift. I'm sure, depending on the reader, in a good or bad way. Uh, for me, I, I will get well. We'll get into it. I'll tell you my opinion in a bit when it comes to that. Okay, it gets more political. And it sure does. Yeah. I do want to say I've never been a big fan of the Dimension X stuff. I mean, also I don't remember a lot of it because the '87 cartoon. Well, it's goofy as fuck. And the Turtles comics that I read as a kid were the Archie Turtles ones that I had bought a few trades at the dollar store. And one of them, they wouldn't mention You and I both grew up on that for sure. Yeah. I, I found them at one point. I forget where I, I think it was in, I was at, well, I know where I was on my parents' house and I found those old trades. And I was like, Oh, really? and they're just so goofy, yeah. but I loved them. I still have some of that too. The Mutanimals, all that artsy stuff. Mm-hmm, with Cal- I actually have uh, in, in one of my long boxes, I actually have the first appearance of Bebop and Rocksteady in comic form. Uh, nice <laughs> somewhere I, I do have that and there's a lot of like first i don't i didn't collect enough of the archie stuff because it was just so the covers are so ugly <laughs> but <laughs> i still liked it when i liked it as a kid but you get introduced to fuge toy the first thing you see is you see dr honeycut which i know from cartoon in the mirage comics and you see him working with this robot you get to kind of you see more the technodrome in the background where they're working in some lab for krang and it has some good elements of how Krang is, what he's doing, and how these people are just working for him, even though he's pretty much enslaved their planet. But it makes sense. I mean, you know, they have no choice but to 
accept him for who he is, because if you don't accept him, he's going to murder you. So, you know, he's a he's a ruthless interdimensional dictator. Mm -hmm. But I just I I like how like he, you know, he's following Krang's order until he walks in and sees a a thing on the screen. I'm assuming about the Technodrome where it says casualty projection three point three billion. Yep. And it also kind of shows like it's his son. It's his son where he says, oh, you're going to help Krang conquer them all when they're pointing all the different stars. And I, and that's you can really tell that's what makes him finally like flip. Well, that and his wife telling him you work for a fuck for the devil. <laughs> She's right. I mean, she kind of had to speak some sense into him. And, and that moment right there is the turning point point of the, the entire like this character and the whole war's trajectory as time goes on. I mean, as you see, what kind of role Fugitoid actually plays. Yeah. And it's it's a very cool thing where, you know, and it also reminded me a lot of real life, like North Korea and things like that, or like the Germans and and Russia. And just it reminded me of all that because the whole thing is that his wife convinces him, like, you need to leave. And you see him deleting his data, packing up the robot and then him escaping with his wife and child. And then the rebels taking him away to experiment in a bunker. And it just really gave me that sense of like World War Two. Yeah. That's probably some of the direct inspiration for this character. Well, I want to say at some point they say Eagle's Nest in this. Mm -hmm. I I can't want to say they did or something else somewhere. Maybe something else. I'm thinking, but I I swear they said Eagle's Nest. Eagle's Nest is a direct if they did is a direct reference to what they called one of Hitler's fortresses. Eagle's Nest. Mm, Okay. Now, something most people know, but I I know a lot about World War Two a little too much. He had the Wolf's Den and Eagle's Nest. And I think <laughs> both are still standing, actually. Unoccupied, but they're both still standing. They're in Polish. Poland, in Poland too. But <laughs> that's what that just reminded me of when you see the bunker in the mountain and they're doing the experiments. And you also are like you see them, you know, they're trying to open a interdimensional portal to Earth and they're failing. It works like 60 percent of the time, they say. And I think that's and this is where Crane shows up and he starts bombing the hell out of the bunker and then his Dr. Honeycutt's family is locked in the bunker because the way the bunker is designed that if you attack it, it locks in the residential area, which doesn't make a lot of sense, in my opinion. But hey, I guess because Krang has to know that he could possibly kill the doctor at this point. You know, I don't and, think he and cares. He well, maybe that's it. He, he's he's thinking I think his his view is if he can't have him, nobody will. I mean, he knows that it, since he defected. He'd rather have him dead than help out the the uh, freedom fighters, the rebels. Yeah, because Crane is a shithead. <laughs> Absolute worst dictator. You thought? I mean, you think Shredder's an asshole? This guy, <laughs> Crane is worse. Crane is worse, which I find very interesting. The way they do Crane in this. And wait till you see how that pans out later with those. <laughs> oh, two. I can't. Yeah. I can't wait. This shows Doctor Honeycut. I don't remember what happens in the comics. In Mirage comics or the two thousand three cartoon, but. He puts on a device that connects him to the robot, and then he goes into the fire to release the, you know, release the residential people. But the guy's like, if you do that, your body's going to be burned. You're going to be stuck in that robot forever. And he's like, yep. well, I got to save my family. That's his touch. It's, it's almost, it's almost the, it, I want to say almost the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, all he's doing is sacrificing his human vessel for, for a robotic one and a possible immortal eternal one. But that's a lot of good looks, though. I think I'd rather have the robot. I, think I'd have the robot. <laughs> I mean... Maybe, yeah. Can't taste it anymore. No back pain, no gaining weight. You don't have to eat anymore. You don't have to sleep. You just recharge. <laughs> I'll take the robot body. <laughs> <laughs> if something breaks, you just replace it. Um, I'm good. I'll take that. Jack me yeah. in. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> but as he releases the the people and they're all running, you have Krang's army or Graniter, the Sart, uh, one of the leaders, the Rockmen, just bombs all the civilians and just kills them all. <laughs> like it's pretty yeah, brutal. He gets to win. He witnesses his family and his people die right in front of his eyes, and in a way, it's not his fault necessarily, but he let them out, and this is what yeah. he has to now see. And you see uh, the 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 rock soldier here with his Apple Watch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, you're right. That is like an Apple Watch. It's cool. (laughs) I I like this. And then you have the 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 Rockman being dumb. They're like, I don't know how they figured out, but they figure out the robot is Honeycut. And the guy's like, Yeah, they didn't really they didn't really explain that. No, uh, the guy just no, that's Honey. Like, well, where's your hint? You know, like I don't. He doesn't even say anything. He just looks at him. I, I love when they go to Earth and people are like, oh, look at, are you promoting a movie? Look at those costumes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else are they going to think? They don't even know aliens exist. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really cool moment and how he just blends in with society because, you know, he because of the, the robot can change shape and change form. He just changed it into a human mm-hmm. and just walks away. And then you see you have a, a couple brief scenes back and forth where it gets, I got a little confused what was going on, where it shows Chet. You know, working with Stockman, it shows Chet being, you know, getting hired by Stockman. And it also has a good scene where, like, you find out why the ninjas attack, you know, April and everything at the at the office because Chet went to Shredder and to, to pretty much get Shredder to help them, to help him, to, yep. to screw over Crane. Yep. And I was a little shocked when I saw that. I was like, that is cool. That's bad. They didn't really explain how he came to find out about Shredder and all that, did they? No, they just no, they don't at all. He's just there. He just I think I think he knew Krang had an enemy. I think Shredder was an enemy already. I don't I don't even know. Well, hold on. Eh, maybe I shouldn't say anything. I think that gets covered more in the as, as history it of the clan. Yeah. So Shredder is aware of the Utrams. I just don't think that they deal with each other much currently. I mean, do you when you recapture everything very recently? No, they they <laughs> had not had any dealing with each other other than when he breaks into the lab. It just says here okay. in the Fugitoid thing, instead I reached out looking for help, looking for people who weren't innocent. I found a group that was willing to help me, willing to support my new branch of the resistance here on Earth. Okay, alright, so Shredder is, is aware of Utrams, I'm not spoiling anything for you. Just right now, I don't think they're involved until Chet gets here, and then they kind of reconnect. And you'll see, all that's going to circle back and make sense once I think you read History of the Foot Clan. Okay, which is what we're doing next, actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm definitely on 100% on board. So, <laughs> and then it brings us to issue 17, which is the first of the four issues for the Krang War. And this introduces you to Planet Neutrino. It shows a war happening. It shows the rock people with ar- with huge amounts of army. It shows the Neutrino resistance, the king, the queen, the princess, and it kind of goes into like what's happening on their planet and how they introduces a lot to you and yeah the first I, the first few pages for sure. I don't like these people. I never have neutrinos. Yeah, I've never cared for them. They just look like Hyruleans to me. I mean, they look like punk but, Hyruleans. Sure. Yeah. And they have a very like '80s punk look to them, like futuristic well, that, punk. I mean, they they tried to keep that vein from the '87 cartoon. Yeah. Primarily. So I, I the thing with this, and, and I wanted to, to cover this eventually, that now's the time that they kept some of those original elements just as like, I'm sure, a callback or a throwback to what their origins are. But 
they also made the people, at least during this conflict, very interesting. They made you kind of care for these people and their conflict because you got to build up to them. And now you get to see, like, what they're going through and what they have to overcome. Some of this even reminds me of Star Wars, but that's another story. (laughs) No, it does. It definitely does. But you have them, you know, they're the resistance. And even though it's their home world, I mean, it's their planet, but they're considered the resistance, which I thought was... I guess the evil empire. Yeah. I really like that. I don't know. I found it really interesting. But I, I feel like, and, and neutrinos, and I'll say this right now, neutrinos were treated well during this crying war. After this, you don't see them much. Okay. I, almost at all, possibly. Like I, I don't remember anything else with neutrinos after this. I'm okay with that. Other than um, Chet. I mean, and that's fine too. Like if all we get is Chet, sign me up. Like, I don't think neutrinos have much to offer other than Chet himself. I think it'd be a waste that they try to shoehorn them in, you know? That's cool. I like that. Okay. I'm glad that they don't, they're not around as much then because they're not, they're, <laughs> they're not my favorite. So yeah, I'm completely okay with them not being around. A lot. It, it's, they serve their purpose through this storyline. That's all they were needed for. And they did away with them. And I think it was the right choice. Okay. All right. And then you also, with this stuff, you also kind of like start seeing, you see some more of the aftermath of what they're de- what the trolls are dealing with after what happened with Slash. Casey had already moved in at this point in one of the other issues. So he's living here now. Mm-hmm. So you do have he that. He adapted pretty well. I mean, I guess this is overall a better life <laughs> in, the, in this bunker with a bunch of <laughs> mutated animals. <laughs> you know, I, I'd say it's a better life than what he was getting shown. Just kind of funny. I mean, he's getting, I mean, what, it's sad what, you know, what goes on in his character, but yeah. It's funny, the other aspect, like, you know, it's a more normal to be with a bunch of mutant turtles and a rat. <laughs> and then I think this is when they get the idea that they're trying to get more information about what's going on at, Stock- at Stockman's. And Chet is the only person that's really been nice to April and talked to April. So then they get the idea that they're going to talk with Chet and she's going to get him to say what's happening. For somebody that's not a journalist, she definitely wants to get to the bottom of things and and. Kind of shows with what she does here with Chet, how good she could possibly be if she was a reporter. Yeah. And it, it does jump back and forth, like normal, kind of showing like Stockman seeing, you know, Crane show Stockman, takes him away from Bernal Island, takes him to to show him what he's doing at this planet. And it's earlier, a couple issues before this, when Stockman finds out that Crane is not human. It's in that uh, Sins of the Father, which we kind of glanced over last time because mm-hmm. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I read it before this, but that kind of shows in there. Also, a thing that's mentioned is you have a Shredder wanting them to find out more of what's going on at Stock Gen also. So you have that where he's sending Karai to get more information. And then oh, you have... He, he wants the ooze. Oh, yeah, that's also. what he wants. Yeah, he wants the ooze because he wants he to wants make more mutants. Yeah. So he's got an agenda. And that agenda is, is born because Chet came over there and opened his mouth. And you also see the tension here between... Karai and her grandfather when he wants to replace her as second command. Mm-hmm. And I like that too. How much power does Shredder think he has that he can almost wholeheartedly change Leonardo without much of a, an issue? And that's what he's thinking by telling her to even bring him in to begin with. Yeah, I, I found that weird. Like to think like he'd be able to take, you know, but I guess he just thinks he can manipulate him enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really get that part, but. I do like where you have April trying to get information from Chet. I really do like that. And you have her sitting in the park, and he's like, is this safe? And she's like, yeah, it's, it's safe. <laughs> yeah, well, she knows. She knows she's being oh, yeah, she has a, He doesn't. 
<laughs> she has the turtle. She has Casey Jones is there. Everyone's there to protect her, which I really like. I think that's a, a good scene. That one is really good. Just the way, like, and you know, because they're just talking. She's trying to get information. He doesn't want to talk. And he's like, I don't want to put you in danger, which, again, leads to more, you know, Chet being actually a good person. You know, he's not really a bad person. Right. He's, and even then, April and the Turtles can't really tell. I mean, they think he's just some freak that works a stock gen. I mean, with good reason. But, yeah, yeah I mean, they, they shortly see <laughs> who he really is and what he's about. <laughs> Very soon. Because everything's going to hit the fan, you know, shortly after this part. Momentarily, yeah. Which I, I, I wasn't really expecting, and I was I was impressed. You know, like you have, this is when the, the neutrino resistance shows up and ends up, you know, they're here for Honeycut, and then the turtles just rush in when they see them. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was cool, too. It makes perfect sense. They're like, okay, time to go. <laughs> Let's play. Yeah, it's protect now, ask questions later. We don't know if these people are hostile. I mean, they already don't trust Chet as is, so. And you see Casey's reaction. He's being overprotective for obvious reasons. Yeah, because he cares about her, which you, you really do get to see. A, even just in, the, in what I read so far, you really do see that, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. I like the fact that that's happening. As, you know, this early on, like you kind of see their relationship. Yeah, you see it uh, evolve over time and yeah. the struggles okay. that come with it and with their lifestyle and the life they chose to live. But you, you have the turtles try fighting the resistance. The, you know, these random men with guns that just show up and all of a sudden they teleport. They're like, oh, we got them. Teleport us back. And then the turtles get teleported, too. And they just end up in the frickin center of war with Krang's army all over. Yeah. And I, I got to talk about the next cover. Uh, issue 18 has a futuristic <laughs> city, the turtles standing in the middle of like, a fire with the fugitoid and all the TV screens are just Krang's ugly face. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's this like is Kirby on the screen. <laughs> this isn't my favorite stuff with Krang. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not a big fan, but I like how they did it by taking the turtles. And, and I, like, I like the fact that cause when they were first going to teleport them, I thought they were going to go the Mirage way and they were going to take them to the Transceratops Republic type stuff. Like the 2003 Turtles does, Mirage does, but they go a completely different way with it. And I wasn't expecting that at first. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did really like that. Yeah, I'm glad they did. I mean, Triceratons have a, another very large role later. Okay, I figured they show up again later. Yeah, you'll you'll see how that goes. Okay, I look forward to. His, uh, I'm, but I'm glad they didn't go that arc because you know if you look at like like Mirage 2003, that's the next arc they go after. You know, right away, second season of 2003 cartoon is the Republic and the Turtles, or the Republic mm-hmm. and the Triceratops. And I thought that's where they were going, so I'm glad that they pushed that off to the side and went other ways first. I also don't care for the Triceratops. I don't like the Republic. Maybe my mind will change in this, but I didn't. Um, I don't care for them. It's possible. You might like how things pan out. I will say in the issues where I'm at, it's still ongoing. Okay. And I, it's hit or miss for me. Yeah, it's a different... That's what, I, I like <clears throat> the street turtles more than space turtles. Sure, and that's that's the way I felt with Mirage. I, I was like, anytime I watched or read uh, any of the Mirage comics, I was like, anytime they went space and time traveled or dimension traveled wasn't necessarily my thing. Like I, I always liked the gritty... Rooftop battles, like a little shredder and stuff like that. That was always the best writing. Same for me too. And when I, I just, I just prefer my the turtles like that. I really do. And this, so I mean, this kind of threw me for a loop, but I, I liked it more than I thought. Like when they do get it, you know, like the fact that they mm-hmm. end up getting introduced right in the middle of the warfare with Krang, and you know, they're trying to get the like, you know, tell us what the fuck is happening. We just got teleported. We don't know where we are. We don't know what's going on. And pretty quickly, they realize that these people are trying to kill them, too, because and one thing that kind of threw me for a loop is you have a bunch of men rush through at them and they're humans. They're not rock men. Mm-hmm. 
And I was com- like, that really confused. Well, that's um, Burno I- just, Island guys. They have humans on Burno Island. They transport them here to do what they need. Those are humans from Earth. Okay, so there were humans that they took then. Yeah, which okay. is, you got to think, like, if these guys go home after this, like, how do you live with that? And how do you not spread the word on that? I mean, later on, when they start visiting websites and covering Burno and learn Crank's name, I guess maybe kind of makes sense. You got to think like how many lives this changes for these guys to not only know of aliens, but interdimensional travel. You know? Yeah. I found that, that's got to definitely be interesting. I found that. Okay. I was just curious about that part. <clears throat> so had me. Okay. And then you see them and this is kind of when they start realizing more about what's going on with Krang. You also, you have a, a, a good scene here. It cuts back to Splinter, April and Casey where Splinter kind of loses it for a second because he blames himself for what happened, you see him just break a broom and you have a panel of him just with a really angry face. Do you, How much do you know of, of Splinter's past and who he was when before? And we kn- what do you know about him? We know that he was the samurai, all that. His kids were killed. Mm-hmm. We know all that. Okay. All right. So I don't know if they went into detail yet, just how he was when he was younger, when he was a young um, man. That he was angry yeah, okay, and that the girl so was he, what... Yeah, the girl helped him. Yes, he had a lot of anger issues. So that kind of shows in this moment, and that even then, even at his older, his older age and his second life, uh, he rare moments might struggle with that. Kind of like his son struggled with their issues. Okay, that's a good way to put it. Okay, I didn't. I mean, I just read everything, but I didn't really think about that. But that's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, if you try to really fully encompass these characters, that's stuff that might add up. I definitely got to say, I do like that. I, I like that, you know, how much they kind of go into what's going on with him. But all right. And the other thing, then you have April and Casey, because April's blaming herself because the turtles just went missing with all that. And they don't know what, you know, what the fuck happened, which is <laughs> very, you know, makes sense. And it, ha- it has some good uh, moments here. Like you have them, you know, fighting the fighting the rock army. You have the princess and the king and queen get captured. And then as soon as Mikey hears princess, he all of a sudden he gets yeah. involved. He becomes linked <laughs> to save his princess Zelda. <laughs> yes, what I thought too, and I really like. I was that. missing his uh, his little hat and uh, green tunic. I love how he just runs off to go save her with, without even thinking. I thought it was great. I mean, again, just as dumpy and dopey as, as Michelangelo is, he would do something like that. But it, it gives him a lot more character in this, and I really liked it. I liked that they did that. Yeah, you know, I and love you how have free and goofy that make him. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of both in this, and then you have him run after them and jump up and uh, one he throws a shuriken at the rock guy and it just bounces off his head because you know they're rocks <laughs> so i got a kick out of that little scene and then this all leads up to him jumping on the ship beating you know beating the shit out of a couple with nunchucks he steals you know he gets he rescues the princess but he doesn't even look to see there's other people on the ship <laughs> he just grabs her and leaves and look at the knight in shining armor with the sun gleaming down <laughs> I, that is a cool image uh, ridiculous <laughs> And then it cuts back to, again, April being awesome, where she goes to uh, the lab and she's like, you know, starts talking to one of the people. She's like, oh, yeah, where's Chet? Oh, he's, you know, working on the thing with the turtles and this and that. And they're like, how do you know? And she's like, well, I'm undercover just with you. Or, you know, kind of lies to them. Yep. And, and Lindsay here, if I'm right, pay attention to that name. It's not a throwaway character. Oh, there's okay. there's a bunch of um, main and side stories that she's involved in. If, if I'm correct, okay. it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure Lindsay is, is the person I'm thinking of. God, this this damn book is so damn good. <laughs> well, probably a good thing I get to point out some characters for you so you can pay attention to them as they go and see how they evolve and where they end up. 
And not Google stuff ahead of time? And not Google stuff, yeah. Exactly. I will be doing that again. <laughs> but I, I do like how there's a very small panel of Karai is there, and Karai hears about Bernal Island. Mm-hmm. And I, I that plays, you know, a part coming up in one of the other issues in this. And back on Neutrino, this is where finally Chet shows him that he is the Fugitoid. And I like how you see everybody freak out except for Mikey. And then Mikey and Donatello are like, oh my god, that's cool! Yep. Well, because they're just supposed to be the two nerdy ones, as Rav says. I'd be the same way. I'd be freaking, I'd be like, oh my god, that's cool. I mean, that'd be cool as hell. As much as I feel like I relate to Rav, that, that is you a do. really cool moment. And then you get a you get a good little backstory about Krang and Krang's father, which one thing that really amused me, Krang's father, the mech he's in, has a little tuning fork on top of his head, like in the 87 cartoon. And then the, the glasses, too, if you didn't notice. Oh, yep. I saw all the glasses. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. A, and you find out that nice little callback for sure. Yeah, it, it was cool to see. And, and it kind of sums up a little bit about the Fugitoid without without you having read the issue because the micro series are more optional. I mean, because they know some people are just going to read the main stuff and not read the other stuff. Right. So that was cool. And you have you find out the Utrons are all pretty much all dead. And the ones that are that are alive are in stasis in Bernal Island in the ooze because he tried to conquer the galaxy. He pretty much tried to conquer the galaxy, essentially. He, he bit off too much more than he can chew. And- yeah destroyed his his homeworld because of it i mean and you know krang has to clean up his mess so it, it's cool to see and then the end of this show krang go on tv and this is when they first see krang and they see the squishy little blob thing that he is and he has the queen and the king and he's going to kill them so here here's the moral dilemma right with krang is he justified in his means to to sustain his people or no. is it that's the moral dilemma i think some people have would have to think about now the only reason, in my opinion, it's not justifiable is because these people or his people could live, co- they could coexist with other races. Krang is choosing not to give them that. He wants to do much, much more and just eradicate life and races in order to, for his people to grow and only his people. I mean, I get it. Like you have to, you know, in the same way you're trying to save your people, but also your people are all murderers. So, <laughs> well, no, his his people are not necessarily. Oh, just OK. His father. So I mean, and, and that is stuff you will see much more, and they'll dig into that a lot, and you'll see different personalities. Time goes on, and and how they affect the overall story arc. So you'll see. Okay, I mean, it's also I I should say it's more of does it justify to put all these other people in danger and kill billions just to save your own people? And I would say no. That's that's the moral dilemma. Now, if it's your race and that's what's left of your race, I mean, who knows, man? You have to find a peaceful way. I still follow, I try to think like Spock in Wrath of Khan, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I disagree, but I, no, I know (laughs) you're going to get those, those of that other side. It's like, hell yeah, it's my species. It's my race. It's what I'm going to do to preserve it. No matter what the people that believe Thanos was right. (laughs) There you go. I mean, there's people out there that are like, yeah, Thanos was right. And they're not kidding. I'm like, you don't, you're missing the point. Yeah. they They don't get it. I always love those. Uh, you're missing the point starter packs. I have like certain characters from different, you know, films and stuff. Like if you idolize these people. Like I think the guy from Fight Club is one. Tyler Durden. There's some other ones. They're like you're missing the point. <laughs> yep, yep. You don't get this. Same. If you if you if you if you if you, th- if you connect with Krang, you're missing the point. Agreed. And then you, I do like Krang's mech, and you see him threatening the king and queen. And then this leads to the neutrinos deciding that they need to go rescue the king and queen. There's not many of them left. So Honeycut. Donatello go to one spot to work on 
you know, a, a weapon that's going to help them defeat them while Leonardo, Mikey, Raphael go to, with some of the neutrino men to rescue the king and queen. And I like how they're like, we're ninja. We can be sneaky. <laughs> they don't say it like and that. Then, but that's what they that do. only goes, well, that goes only so far as well. We'll see. <laughs> it don't last too long. No. But you do get to see Karai being, you know, stealthy, where you see her parachute, like Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid The only person doing anything ninja in this arc is Karai. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I really got Snake Eater vibes when I just see her jump out of the ship and do a halo jump. Oh, of course. (laughs) So I wonder if she had to kill animals to eat, too, you know? And maybe she was in love with a really long ladder as well, you know? God, I still love that part. I'm still in a dream, Snake Eater. So... (laughs) That's all I can think of. But I do like that it shows her doing that. It shows April and Casey researching about General Krang. So and that's, it brings it- that's what I was talking about. It finds it's very interesting to me. Like there's looking this stuff up on the Internet. Who's tracking this stuff? Is it the people that are there and releasing this information? Or is it the outsiders? I mean, how is this being put on the, the Internet? My guess would and they be say, outsiders. And they say he's been there for decades. Which is cool. I like that. I like that. I also like the whole idea of like, yeah, he came in and killed everybody, <laughs> you know, killed the native population. But and then Splinter even I think someone says, well, they don't have any resources, so nobody cared. They don't have oil. They don't have anything <laughs> to make it matter to the rest of the world. So who gives it? You know, and that's a very, very true thing. Oh, Splinter says mankind is rarely swayed into action by compassion alone. Too often it requires personal gain as a driving force. Not wrong. No, I'm looking at Iraq with America. We invaded Iraq to save the people. Yeah, had nothing to do with the oil. No, nope, not at all. No oil. I mean, it's just, you know, real stuff. I mean, that's why people do some of the dumb shit that's happening in this in this world. And people start wars over resources. Not people. <laughs> so this was this cool. They bring in, you know, more real life stuff. And you really kind of see how evil Krang is in this, too, which I like. He's a, they did a good job with him. They, they took a, a really goofy character from the 87 cartoon and make him a badass in this. Yeah. Ruthless, ruthless dictator. And I like that. And I also prefer my Krang not to be in a shredder suit, too, by the way. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that part. No, (laughs) I am not either. (laughs) And you have Karai in the island, again, being more, reminding me of Metal Gear Solid, where she's sneaking up on people. and (laughs) Here she's being Gray Fox. (laughs) So you think she... Killing people in hallways. uh, Filled the whole hallway with blood? She legitimately kills a guy. And (laughs) other guy's dead, too. Eventually, yes. (laughs) There's no chance that he walked away alive in that. No. Oh, you mean the guy (laughs) she, like, cut in half there? No, there's a guy she cut in half, and there's another guy that she puts the blade up against his neck and makes him walk. He's dead too. Oh, eventually, yes. Oh yeah, she's she's not she's not taking prisoners. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I really got a kick out of that though. I just thought it. They make her your character's pretty badass in this. I gotta yeah, say, like she's a character I had no interest in because I she's not in the '87 cartoon. We were kids. She wasn't in the turtle stuff in, like the movies, so it took me a little while to really kind of grow to have her grow on me. But in this comic, she's really definitely growing on me. Her first real exposure, it might even have been her first. Late, I think she was in Mirage, but later she's later. Yeah, yeah, she, she is in Mirage. Mirage. But her first real exposure to the world, for the most part, other than those Mirage ones, was the I think the O three cartoon. Yep, that's where she that's where she she plays a big part in the first season. She's around for a majority of it. And then she even becomes Shredder at one point in the in the O3 cartoon. I watched about eight hours of content about that cartoon on YouTube. Whoa, where they got to recap I each season. I haven't even done that. I need to get really, on that. Really damn good. I, I, I feel like I watched the entire series and I have. Hmm. So it's good. It, it, it will educate you without taking the same amount of time it will take you to track down that entire show and watch it. 
I have the entire show on Paramount, but I don't know if I can watch that <laughs> entirely. <laughs> no, probably not. And then you have, so in this, you have Fugitoid runs into his old assistant from the Fugitoid micro series where when the fire happened, the guy told him, if you beca- you know, if you take the body, you're going to become a robot. And it, and it shows the weapon that they're building. And then it shows Fugitoid and Donnie and them all working together to get it working because they need that to save yep. it. So, and they explain what it does. It's the end missile, the electronics nullifying device, which at first they kind of have a vague explanation. They say it like disables electronic. And you would <laughs> think, well, well fugitive. EMP. Right. But the way they programmed it, it's only Krang's weapons. So. Which threw me for a loop, but I thought it's was also, very cool. It's not his. Yeah, because he's his on a different frequency. I like that too. So you he's think, like, right? <laughs> like, so his, his purpose with Krang was to build the Technodrome. As with the resistance, he was the other ultimate weapon to disable Krang. So that that shows why Krang was so fearful of, of them having access to to it. Yeah, because how intelligent he is. And then you also cut back to Karai on the island after she kills that guard. She stabs him from the chest, by the way, after he opens the door. And she pretty much kills one of the Utron, too, because she finds the tube, cuts one of the tubes open and just takes all the goo. <laughs> yeah, she took those. That was her way of getting it. She's like, oh, I'll just kill him. <laughs> well, who cares? And then you I'm have killing humans. You think she's going to care about a neutron? No, especially something she's unfamiliar with. <laughs> and, and then you have the the resistance blowing up Krang soldiers and starting war with them, and them shooting back. And you you get to start seeing like you see a couple cool images of them and their tanks and cars and everything fighting each other. And you have the princess gear up too, which again, you are right, does remind me of Princess Elsa. She's wearing all pink and everything, and yeah. Yep. 100%. And then the last couple pages of this, you have Raphael stand, standing with one of the resistance with the whole war going on. And the other one, you have Michelangelo and Leonardo confronting Krang in his mech, mech body. Yeah, so, it feels like it's a big rush, like a bunch of scenes, right? Show ends. And then the finale is like the next show, you know? Yeah. And then this brings us to the last issue in this arc, issue 20. And I got to talk about this cover because one is the cover art for this episode you're listening to right now, by the way, because it's fucking awesome. It's Krang holding four bandanas in his hand. So fucking cool. That's a, a piece of art that I wouldn't mind having framed. It's very quality art and then symbolic. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen in this comic, but it's such a cool picture. I really liked it. I think that's also what gravitated toward toward me, too, because I think that is the trade. If you're first time reading this. If it's your first time reading, like, damn, did you're th- you had a thing, like, damn, did Krang actually win on this one? Like, yeah. I, I was I was a little like, okay, this you have my attention, comic. I, I really like this image. It's just a really cool cover. It, it makes me wish I would have bought these comics. I haven't. I've actually looked up trades, because I was going to try to see if I could find the trades, but that didn't work out so well. <laughs> Not cheap. I don't think they're in, I don't know if they're in print right now. So that was part of it, because I, I was like, okay, I'll just fucking just buy these trades. These are great. But I thought they were on uh, Amazon. They're on Amazon. I couldn't find them very easily because I I wouldn't mind owning the trades of this. That's how much I'm enjoying it because I don't normally I don't always buy my comics. So (laughs) and then uh, issue 20, it starts off with them rushing. You you have Raphael and the neutrino fighting the army and getting, you know, and kind of getting their ass handed to them. And then you have Krang just unleashing like an Iron Man beam and fighting the turtles, the other turtles. And you see how powerful his mech is as they're trying to beat him. And Leonardo even takes off one of his arm, one of his robotic arm, and then gets punched in the face. But <laughs> it's it's very cool. And they, they comment on how hard he hits, too, which is harder than Slash. <laughs> which could, if they had trouble with Slash, 
imagine how much trouble they're having with Krang. Oh yeah, no, he he almost beats them. I mean, he pretty much he points the gun right at him. Like he, I mean, he would have probably taken them down if it's not for the fact that you know the weapon that Donatello and them make stops stops him. I mean, they do escape yeah. him a couple times, but he gets uh, Michelangelo gets stupid because the princess almost gets killed, and he puts himself in danger. Is what happens in the end of this. And you also have, which I, I I thought was pretty damn cool, when Raphael in that in that part you have like a giant mech with a with Krang, like a hologram Krang operating it. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be a different Utram, or is that supposed to be Krang? I'm assuming because he's the only Utram around, right? Well, no, I, I don't know who that's supposed to be because they don't really explain it, but it looks like his dad. Oh, okay, but I'm not sure. They, they never really explained because I, I, I don't mean, think it's anybody controlling it. It's just a robot with a holographic face. I, I really can't tell. Just to put fear in people. Maybe. Because Krang doesn't have those kind of like horns or not horns, but, you know, like tendrils coming out of his head. Up top, yeah, he's know. he's designed a little differently. OK, you're right. I didn't think I didn't even think about that. But that, OK, that's cool. Maybe he does have them. I don't know. Maybe it is. Him. I can't. Tell. Yeah, but it, it's cool to see like they're about to get destroyed by him. And then it's because of the, the, the missile goes off and takes out them. And that's what stop, you know, stops that mech and stops everything. And you also have a small scene where Raphael grabs a rocket launcher and shoots a thing in the leg to keep it from destroying the mech or destroying the, the flying drone. That's going to disable all their weaponry. And I, I really like that. I, I again, you see more ninja stars hit the hit Krang's little faceplate, but they don't hurt them because they can't pierce them all the way. They <laughs> dig in pretty good. Surprisingly, Yeah, they're inside, but they didn't get to him. And this is where you have him. Michelangelo puts himself in harm's way and you have him holding a gun to Michelangelo. And at the same time, when the bomb goes off and all their guns are deactivated, so where Krang's like, eh, my guns still work. <laughs> so there is a, a part I wanted to cover. I thought it was one of yes. the most important pieces. Uh, uh, maybe I'm talking about well, Donatello and Fugitoid. All of them traveling or? Nope. When he's helping, I guess, get the uh, EMP ready, they cover that topic we, we spoke about earlier when it comes to oh the concept of, of spirituality. Okay, you're right. Yes. Because of the thing with the soul, because they talk about like when you transport, your body is broken down and rebuilt, but you're yep. but you are the same person it's still. Copy and pasting who you were into whatever you end up becoming, but yet your essence is still attached to it. And fugitoid out of everybody, the most an actual scientist, another guy that I'm sure Donatello respects up to this point, being that he's another brainiac like him, and yet he has to break it down for Donatello. I mean, and I think this is where it comes in with maturity too. And life experience that that uh, Honeycutt has over Donatello. Donatello still technically being a teenager. Yeah, he learns a lot from him in, in this moment, and a lot of character development as well. I mean, look at his face by the end of that conversation. Yeah, it does change a lot. You're right. That that is a cool part. I mean, I'm assuming that plays in more as, the, as this progresses too. Correct. And, and yes, it does. I was just going to bring <laughs> that up. It, it it you know as time goes on, you you get to see what Donatello goes through and why he you know, has has uh, to make a choice when it comes to that as time goes on. Okay. And I know I've asked you this before, but it's been a while. This is the first time they had the reincarnation thing, correct? With this was this story or I mean, the TMT, is, this yeah. TMT. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's growing. I, was, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. I just was like, I need to read Turtles and try IDW. And when I read that, I didn't hate it. Think <laughs> you know, because it, they finally dad and not just some father figure like he was actually their dad they, they found a way to actually make it happen it's re- it's really good I, it's really grown on me too and it, it 
having more of an effect. I'm still curious how the hell Greta is Karai's grandfather and how she brought him back from the dead. She makes a comment <laughs> of that in in Sins oh. of the Father. So that I read Mystery before this. Land, my friend, I, I want to say it's in there. So okay, we're reading that next. So <laughs> <laughs> Very I'll only be six so. issues, and then you you have Not them. Bad. They say. They save the king, queen, because all oh, Krang ends up. They make a deal with Krang. The future toy will go with Krang as long as Krang leaves and spares Michelangelo because he's going to kill him. So Doctor Honeycutt—that's what I should call him. He goes with Krang, and it doesn't show what happens to him in this. I think that's another issue you'll that I did it. not read yet. Yeah, you'll just see his time go on. Okay, so yeah, it just ends there with them, and then they, and then you have a small scene because April is still blaming herself for what happened, and. Her and Casey are about to kiss when all of a sudden the turtles reappear. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Reminds me of them coming back in like the third turtles turtles movie. Oh yeah, that great movie. You know, and it just, there's Casey in there too. You know, <laughs> I forget he's in that movie because he skips the second movie. Yeah, but but it was their their happy ending, and I like that. I, I like how it ends and this arc ends, and then I I think the next arc which we won't be reading because we got to get some other stuff is city at war, I think, or, or city war, something like that. There's two different ones, but we'll be getting to that at a different time. So, yeah. And that yeah, wraps up stuff is history. That wraps up Krang war. I am very interested to read the secret history of foot clan. Now you got me very interested. Be. <laughs> well, I have been, I mean, shredder <laughs> shredder is always a very compelling character. So not to mention ninja, the foot clan, in general, I mean, from what you've seen, some of the flashbacks should really pique your interest because that is what you get to see a lot more of, and they dig deeper, and it's and it's all of it's interesting. Okay, I I can't read, I can't wait to read more of it because I'm very. I also read the next issue after this, which is after the so secret that, history of the Foot Clan, and it made absolutely no sense oh, to me. Wait, maybe not. I thought you meant the the Krang villain micro. No, I I read the next numbered issue, which is some girl in a coffin, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, okay. Um, and I, did they say the name yet? They did, and it meant nothing to me. Okay. Kitsune, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, I stopped. Another big role character, so it, might, it doesn't mean shit to you now, but it, it definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, Which I, mm, okay. Ah, uh, man, there's so much, man. There's so much. Your, your, your mind's going to be blown. Let's just say that. Like, as time goes, like, all, and when everything circles around. <laughs> I look forward to it. I, I really do. All right, and that brings us to our last segment, Shelf Stacker Bob. I know this is an easy one because I, you know, <laughs> how we feel, but well, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to put this on the shelf. I, I really enjoyed this arc. I was excited to read this. I was really excited to see where Krang War went, and I also really enjoyed Blood Brothers about Slash. I thought both were just great, great reading. So let's go on the shelf. And what about you? Yeah, same. They're definitely <laughs> go on the shelf. I mean, I think they did a lot of justice here you know like when it comes to turtles and sci-fi me personally i don't usually like how they mix this i think was one of the better ways of them pulling that off i think they did crank some justice they they dug into how ruthless he is and what you can expect going forward and then he he still got away as well so you know he's still a threat they just they just set up so much more for for very big things to come so and and I, they also did neutrinos justice. Like this is the only time I somewhat enjoyed neutrinos. <laughs> that's that's a big a big accomplishment. So shelf so for me for sure. Okay. Yeah, you are right. All right. And and if you want to hear more turtles, we have covered a few different turtles episodes. As I said at the top of the show, you can hear the the other two comic episodes. You definitely shouldn't go over listen to because you know 
just turtles and it, it can, can, can right connects to what we're talking about. But you can also hear us talk about Hyperstone Heist, Mini 18, uh, Turtles 3, the film, 27, Turtle, uh, the second film, Secretly Ooze, film 16. And then the comic was comic 19 for the first the first one. And the 1990 movie is film seven. And then Turtles and Times episode 44. So go listen to those. If you want to hear more Turtles. And I think that's. Oh, yeah. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can also find all our content on Podbean. If you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon. For a little dollar, you can vote in our Patreon polls. Also, we have a Discord. You can join our Discord and chat with us and make suggestions of stuff that you might want to see on the show. I will try to listen. <laughs> and also want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena. You can follow at Hell Hatchery. You can follow her on TikTok. And want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did the MCU movies with me. Go check him out. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. And we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.